It's our final hour on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Chad Hartman along with Adam Carter and Dan Cook. Because we carried so much of the Kenosha press conference, we have moved playing politics to right now. Normally at 135, it's at uh, a little later time at uh, 207 here. Chad Hartman along with uh, John Rash and Scott Gillespie from the Star Tribune. We'll get to uh, uh, what's taking place in uh, Kenosha and some of the political fallout from that in the next segment. But, gentlemen, let's start with the RNC. John, I will start with you. What have the Republicans achieved so far in the first couple days, and what is still left for them to accomplish with the next couple days still left, including the vice president speaking tonight and the president speaking tomorrow? They've energized their base. They need to expand it. Coming into the convention, President Trump was behind Vice President Biden by a significant margin in many polls. And so while the speeches so far and the tone of the convention have no doubt energized and bolstered their base, they need to go beyond that to be able to try to catch up with Vice President Biden. My sense is the race will probably tighten as it does after most conventions, but so far, this has not necessarily been the outreach to the voters that they need to come back to their side, particularly in the suburbs, which were key in 2016, will be even more instrumental in whoever wins the 2020 election. Scott, same question to you, and also pick up on what uh, John said there. Um, seemingly, if you look at the data, if you win the suburbs, you win the election, whether Trump, Obama, Bush, Reagan, you name it. And, and that's part of what Melania Trump was appealing to last night. So incorporate that with the what have they accomplished so far and what is left to be done. Right. Well, I think they've accomplished showing very clearly that this is a party all about one man, Donald Trump. That's what the convention's been about over two nights. Not completely rare for an incumbent, but probably at a, at a level of intensity that we've not seen before. Uh, and then they've really rammed home the the themes that the Democrats, if they were to be elected, would uh, uh, adopt a, a socialism and that lawlessness would prevail. And I think that lawlessness in particular is uh, an argument that they want to use to try to get at some of maybe the more independent minded uh, suburban voters. John, they're going to talk about Kenosha, whether it's vice president tonight or the president tomorrow about just what Scott said about lawlessness, about a repeat of Minneapolis, about a repeat of Portland. How does that work? It clearly energizes the president's most loyal base. Is it directed at, as Scott just suggested, suburban women? Is it suggested, is it directed at Republicans who are tired of what the president says? And how do you think that's going to play? It is directed at those core constituencies, as well as, in particular, the swing voters in those states. And both states, I would put Minnesota in this category as well, are potential swing states. Wisconsin, of course, went for President Trump by a very narrow margin, but was part of the reason he's occupying the White House right now. And Minnesota, as you well know, was quite close to going to President Trump as well, a very narrow victory for Secretary Clinton. Clinton in the 2016 election. So they certainly will talk about it. But of course, 
it cuts both ways when you bring it up. It also brings up the extraordinary, important, and fundamental question that they've been trying to address by several speakers in the first two nights about the racial inequality and the systemic racism that has existed in the United States well before the president took office and certainly is manifest in so many aspects of our society to this day. You also have this horrific tragedy in Kenosha. Of course, the shooting that initially set off all the protests that transpired on Sunday night, but also the killing of two people allegedly by a 17-year-old gunman who may have right-wing militia ties at this point. So it's a very tragic situation, complex in so many ways politically as well. But certainly my sense is that Vice President Pence tonight, President Trump on Thursday will bring it up and use it to unify their law and order theme that, as Scott just, I think, rightly mentioned, will probably be the differentiation that they lean on the most as they head into the campaign. And then so much is dependent on the news narrative of of what happens over the next few months here in terms of how Americans react to that. Scott, I want to talk about uh, Melania Trump's speech last night. Um, I'll add that I think some of the criticism has been absurd in a couple ways. One, some xenophobic comments about because she wasn't born in America about whether she should work on renovations for the Rose Garden were ridiculous. I mean, you can comment on whether you like the Rose Garden changes or not, but this idea that she's not from here, one of those comments from a former Times writer who was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize twice, I mean, ridiculous. And then a lot of pictures today mocking her by showing her modeling career. I, th- I find that insulting. But but the speeches themselves, and people, listen, I disagree when she's talking about the president's honesty last night. I openly laughed at my house. But do these matter at all? What Melania Trump said last night, what Jill Biden said, what Michelle Obama said before, what Nancy Reagan said, you know, outside of just a little bit of the character of the person, do they influence anybody? I don't think much. No, uh, I think uh, they're they're not important to the to the race overall. Uh, they will be quickly forgotten. And um, you know, Melania Trump and Michelle Obama uh, are targets of the worst people on both sides of the aisle. Yep. And yep. they have been for years. And we certainly saw that on social media again uh, during DNC and then again uh, here with uh, Melania Trump's speech last night. That said, I thought she was uh, as effective as I've seen her. You don't see much of her or hear much from Mm her. Um, But she was the one Republican uh, who's really tried to humanize the pandemic and talked about the loss of lives and the pain that have been that's been felt by 180,000 people and their families who've uh, who've died in this country. Let's pause here. Let's pause here. And I want to come back and talk about the conversation related to where the Republicans, where the Trump administration is holding the convention. They can't do it in the traditional way. You know, the president would love to be in front of thousands, but they are not. They are now conducting this at the White House. I want to talk about that. And also Mike Pompeo, Uh, I thought the Secretary of State was supposed to stay out of politics. He clearly isn't doing that. So pause, come back with Rash and Gillespie. 
For the uh, Democrats last week, they were all over the country until we arrived with uh, Harris and Biden in Delaware. This week, the president, I'm sure himself, has decided, well, if we can't, can't go to Charlotte, we can't go to Jacksonville, let's go to my house. Well, it's not his house, it's the people's house, but it's his house right now. So they have a setup at the White House. We saw uh, Melania in the Rose Garden. I will admit, gentlemen, this hasn't bothered me as much as others. If we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I would find it another example of the president just looking at a norm and not caring at all, and potentially violating the Hatch Act. I was more bothered by Mike Pompeo, who's coming on last night as just Mike Pompeo. Well, you're not just Mike Pompeo. You're the Secretary of State. Secretary of State never appear at conventions before. He's on a taxpayer trip, supposedly doing work, and he's advocating for Donald Trump for the next four years. That one bothered me more. Scott, just chime in on both of these and how it plays within the Trump White House and how it plays within uh, what's going on with COVID-19. Well, I agree with you completely on the White House. Uh, I think it is a violation of the Hatch Act. I don't think many people care, uh, obviously not on the uh, right side of the aisle. Pompeo was uh, uh, something I I never thought I'd see, uh, uh, Secretary of State campaigning in that way. but again, uh, you use the term uh, uh, breaking norms, uh, Chad, and, and that's here's another one. And yep. how many people who are paying attention to the RNC were bothered by it? Um, I don't know. And I think probably it, mostly they would be Democrats. John, how about you? I concur that the uh, what Secretary Pompeo did has longer range effects, but all of it is wrong. And for a president who is running on the issue of law and order, there is a law, as Scott just mentioned, the Hatch Act, that would forbid so much of what has happened in terms of how the president has interacted with people during a political convention from the White House. And of course, in a country where we used to have a tradition, at least one that we said we believed in, that politics stopped at the water's edge, They seemingly start with Secretary Pompeo as he's looking at 2024 and trying to be the next Republican nominee for president. It not only is a taxpayer-funded trip, it has an extraordinary backdrop of the old city in Israel and, and, you know, was something that no Secretary of State has ever done in the modern era. The last time they can even track any of them saying something at a convention was before World War II. So I think that was really inappropriate in many levels. But beyond, you know, the venue, I think it's the actions that have to be looked at. And I think in particular, anyone who has followed this administration, whether they agree or disagree with the policy, President Trump has been, his administration has been extraordinary, extraordinarily hostile to immigration, including legal immigration, which is at an extraordinarily low point relative to our recent history here in America. And here he takes the White House, where he probably shouldn't be um, broadcasting from there, has a naturalization ceremony. And meanwhile, the New York Times comes out with a story in the last two hours here that before the 2018 midterms, 
as President Trump tried to whip up a fervor of anti-immigration, particularly at the border, that they had considered using a heat ray designed by military to make people's people's skin feel like it is burning when they get within range of its invisible beams. And of course, you had several people who were trying to come to the border, you know, who were refugees and looking for asylum and fleeing horrific gang violence in their Central American countries, as well as in portions of Mexico. So I think that that was highly hypocritical, and it may work with some within the base. I think those that, again, have followed this issue probably didn't think it was as genuine as the president would have liked us to believe. I had not seen that story yet. I mean, that is disgusting and grotesque that our country would consider that. And that has nothing to do with open borders. That has nothing to do with laws. By the way, we can look at the numbers of Barack Obama and, and, and his role in, in sending people back to their original countries compared to Trump. The numbers are not that far apart. Uh, but to, to go to that level is, is, is mind-boggling. Um, John, I'll, I'll start with you in this one, and then, Scott, you jump in afterwards. Chris Christie. So this is Chris Christie, a Republican, a friend of Donald Trump's for decades, a man that Donald Trump asked to be chief of staff in the last year. I forget when. Chris Christie continues to say in his role on ABC News that if President Trump does not make the case in this convention and also moving forward for what will be the basis of the next four years, if he doesn't lay out his agenda for the next four years and continues just to run the 2016 race, a la trying to turn Biden into Hillary, he will not win. This is an AOC this isn't, you know, Bernie Sanders. This is Chris Christie. John, when you hear that, what do you think? That he's probably right, and it goes back to the comments that we began with the show in that he needs to expand the voting base for him to be able to surpass Vice President Biden on Election Day. Um, but that being said, so much depends on the news narrative in terms of what happens. And indeed, the lead that the Vice President currently has now could be greatly exacerbated. Um, could greatly grow if you had a situation where, um, you know, bad news events, which none of us hope to have happen, you know, make put the administration in an even more difficult position. Conversely, some positive things could happen. In particular, the push for a vaccine may be successful sooner than anyone anticipated. That may change the narrative. We've just got to see what happens in the news. But he is in many ways speaking directly more than anyone to his core supporters, television ratings indicate that they're overwhelmingly watching Fox News. These are the people who are with him, and they're behind him more than ever, probably, the way this convention has gone. But he is not, as Chris Christie says, reaching out beyond that, and that's going to potentially spell electoral trouble for him. I think the the best two people to lay out that plan are Mike Pence and Donald Trump, and they have that opportunity tonight and tomorrow night. And I think Christie makes a good point. I do think that they may spend a fair amount of their time trying to uh, convince Americans that they do have that plan for the next four years and a strategy, uh, whether or not they'll win people over, I don't know. And specifically with Pence, I would think he's going to spend some time on the pandemic, uh, given his role with the uh, coronavirus task force. So, um, that, I think, so far has been the big missing piece. So what are, what are you going to do to stop this? 
and uh, I, I haven't heard it. Gentlemen, enjoyed it. Stay healthy. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Chad.